Um, okay, now we are officially live. Now, today joining us on the podcast is Brooke Cooper. Now, Brooke, we've had like a lot of setbacks in getting this meeting set up, but finally, all I can say is finally, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, good. I'm very excited to be here. And yes, there has been a lot of setbacks <laughs> between the two, two very busy people. Yeah, I, you, you, um, I believe you've got your own personal day job as well on top of training. You know, I've got this, I've got the business, I've had multiple guests on this week. But, you know, but because of your track record and because of your accomplishments, I was like, well, I'm not going to pass up on this, so I have to get you on. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Absolute pleasure. Cool, cool. All right, Brooke, so tell, so tell me, uh, you have a phenomenal background in martial arts, in Muay Thai, boxing, karate, and MMA. Like, tell me, when did this all start? Yeah. Um, it started when I was 10. So um, my coach's wife was the Avon lady, like the local Avon lady. So she was doing the door knocking and um, my grandmother happened to live across the road from where my coach was doing just like martial arts in his back shed and um, I was obviously a bit of a um, troublesome child so she noticed that and suggested that my nan offloads me to her partner's martial arts gym and of course my nan was um, very eager to do so Um, so then yeah that's how it started just in um, Zendo Kai in the backyard. (laughs) Wow okay so you were doing that, and then how did you uh, first start competing in Muay Thai? Um, so we were doing Zendokai at Chaos, which is just in his backyard, for a little while, and then he started offering um, Muay Thai, which was affiliated also with Bob Jones. Um, and, yeah, the competitions, we started doing nationals, and then we um, took out gold there, which is our first kind of comp, and we did really well. So that was um, the start, and then... Just from there, our club kept on competing in different, getting offers at different fight shows and stuff like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. So you won gold in your first competition? Yeah. 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 First, 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 Muay, first Muay Thai. I did a lot of um, karate tournaments before then, though. And wasn't too successful in those ones. But um, when it came to full contact Muay Thai, it was a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I'll tell you a little bit of stuff. For me personally, I did uh, Shotokan karate for a few years and all that. So for me, when it coming back, where I was looking back, I do remember those. Uh, Wait, you just cut out. Sorry. Can you hear me now? Well, you, yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Sorry, maybe the connection's a little bit stable. Ah, oh, unstable. Right. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, yeah. Apologies. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Yeah. So back from personally, my history is I used to do uh, Shotokan karate for quite a few years so I understand when it comes to like those uh, point tournaments it's yeah. very very different to uh, those full contact tournaments that you see I do have friends a lot of friends who do Muay Thai and boxing and they do usually start off from that karate background and one thing I always tell them is like when you when you do karate it's like it teaches that discipline and it teaches that um, quick explosive movement for you, did you uh, feel like it, from coming from that karate background, did it assist you at all when you went into Muay Thai? Definitely, yeah. I would 100% attribute my success to my karate background. Um, I think it gives you that different, not just coming straight from just learning Muay Thai. We can, you kind of learn to read the situation and read the fighter a bit better. 
And I think that's also what's allowed me to be able to transition just into boxing straight away and all those sorts of things as well. Wow. So then, sorry, how many years did you do karate for? Um, Before I started Muay Thai? Yes. Three. Three years. Three. So three years at Solid Base and then you head over to Muay Thai and then you started competing over there and then... From what point did you make take the step then to saying, okay, Muay Thai is not enough, you know, let's try something else to do. And then you started uh, transitioning into boxing. That was really recently. Um, that was only, so I was doing boxing on and off last year during the lockdown because there was no fight. So I just started playing with a different, different types of training. Um, and obviously getting fights last year wasn't really a thing. Um, and then come this year, we got offered. So then I I think it was, what was that, March, April, something like that. And then so about two months before then, I went straight boxing. So, yeah, not that long. <laughs> wow. Okay. So when you made that transition, like normally uh, a lot of people, they find, it, they find it a little bit more easier to go from Muay Thai to boxing because you're taking away the whole legs and you're focusing on just your hands and your head work, so your head movement, your footwork and all that. There's usually a little brief period that some of them, uh, the ones I talk to, they go through of like a like a small tune-up where they start running in amateurs and then they go to professional. Like, what was the uh, transition like for you? Um, well, I tried. I tried to go that pathway, but um, they they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't match me as an amateur. They said um, because of my pro record, I can't compete in amateur. So then I had to go into pro and then the only person that we could kind of find at the time was um, Didi Hobbs. So she's ranked number three in the world and um, couldn't get, really get fights either. So, yeah, just went straight to the top for that one. <laughs> wow. Wait, so you weren't allowed to fight amateur at all because of your pro, uh, because of your Muay Thai record? So My pro record, yeah. Wow. I, I've never heard of that case before. I mean, normally, like, uh, it, I mean, it does give you a little bit of a boost and all that can definitely happen, but I didn't know yeah. that would just let you go to pro straight away. Yeah. Uh, so if you, so how many fights did you have in the Muay Thai before you went to pro boxing? I remember the article that you sent me said that you had nearly 40. Did you ever surpass 40? Yeah. No, so 39. I almost got to 40, but yeah, no. Wow. So, so, it doesn't make a round number, so I need to have another one just so I can say I've had 40. <laughs> oh, okay. So have you got anything booked uh, later this year so you can get to that 40? There's there's um, there's a few offers, a few offers on the table, a few offers for boxing and a few offers for Muay Thai. So it's just um, we're actually having a meeting with my coach this weekend to decide which way we're going to go. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Keep, hope you keep posted on that. That's, that's good to yeah. hear. Uh, now, right now you are situated as well in Queensland. Now, I understand that uh, these last year, I'm pretty sure every single fighter had its worst nightmare where they were forced to sort of stay at home. You know, fights got cancelled and then everyone, all these events got cancelled. And, you know, the thing is with fighters is that a lot of them that I speak to, they are very, very active people. And the last thing they want to be doing is just staying at home and doing nothing. Uh, so one thing I always pretty much ask everyone who ever comes on the podcast, like when we had that lockdown last year now, I can't remember exactly how long it was in Queensland, but uh, what did you do during that whole period to stay active? Um, well, lockdown, to be honest, just reduced the amount of traffic 
that I had on the way to work. I still was, I was fortunate enough to still have a job all throughout lockdown. Um, we didn't stop. In fact, we probably picked up. Um, and then I, there's a, I have a home gym. Well, I knew someone with a home gym, so I just would go to work and then go to training at their place every night. So um, I stayed pretty much active the whole time. Um, so as soon as lockdown was over, I was fighting that October. Um, <laughs> so it was good. Wow. Okay. So I don't really remember. How long was Queensland in lockdown for last year? Um, it was a little while. It was probably, I think, COVID started the lockdown kind of thing around March. And then there were still a few restrictions around October. So my fight got pushed to the beginning of December. But by then it was pretty, pretty like the mask thing was still a thing. But that's about it. Yeah. And um, I honestly, forgive me. I did not pay attention at all to news these days. Uh, but didn't you guys recently come out of a lockdown as well? Yeah, yeah, we had another, um, it was like a snap, I think it was three, five days, five day lockdown. Um, yeah, I don't really pay attention either because not a lot of it affects me. But um, yeah, it was like a snap five day lockdown. And same thing, like um, my partner's a trainer. I know my trainer very well. So I just, training just goes on for me. <laughs> Brilliant. That's, that's good to hear that you found the way you managed to stay on the path and all that. Uh, yeah. for us here in Perth, it was, it was definitely rough, uh, because well, we had it a little bit more easier than, uh, some States, you know, New South Wales and looking at you, uh, they've had like 600 and something cases just today, which is, which is pretty tragic to hear. But, uh, anyway, I'm getting to what well, I was trying to say was, uh, here in Perth, you know, we had last year, I believe we had like an 11 week lockdown and then. You know, it was pretty rough all the businesses and all the gyms, and then we've had a few snap lockdowns here and there. So one thing I've always said to uh, the fighters I've spoken to is like, you know, as long as they've got a few bags, as long as they've got someone who can hold pads for them, usually they're okay. Uh, and then they just shift out of that. And now that they've also told me that because of the lockdown that they had, it's allowed them to adapt their situation. They felt like a lot more confident coming back out of lockdown back into training do you feel like that was the same for yourself yeah yeah and I think like at the end of the day um your opponent has been through the lockdown as well so it's not an issue that only you're facing like we're all facing the same thing so it's not like you're at a severe disadvantage you're all coping and trying to make the most of the situation so yeah yeah I think I think it was good I think it was good to have some downtime because uh, honestly I haven't really had a lot of downtime so it was good wow so you're definitely someone who's got an extremely busy lifestyle. I mean, you're handling all these disciplines and then you're also working. I'm sorry, what did you say you, you were doing for, for living? Um, so I work at Cognitive Financial Partners. I'm an um, investment administrator. So financial wealth management. Wow. So <laughs> what if, what, I don't really know anyone who's a financial administrator, but what are the typical hours like for you? Um, well, typically it's like the nine to five, eight to five, whatever you want to say. Um, but at the moment, just with like a lot of, um, transitioning that we're doing, I can work anywhere from like eight till seven or those sorts of hours. So it's been a bit crazy the last week or so, but yeah, typically eight, eight to five. And my boss is really, um, really supportive of the sport. So if I need to leave early or if I need to do like have a day off for training, um, it's super, super allowance of that i guess awesome so 
even though you're doing all these disciplines and all that. And how did you like, can you run me through like, what was a typical work week like for you? Like, how did you balance all this training or was competing as well as handling a nine to five? Um, as best as you can, I guess. Um, I just had, I, I wanted a backup plan. I didn't want to, I knew that I, you can't be a fighter for the rest of your life. I mean, you can try, um, but that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a good solid backup plan. Um, and so I studied, did my uni degree for the four years. Um, I was still training through that. If anything, I think training helps you. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to just live and work. Um, I think having something outside of working makes carries through into your work and a lot of the skills that I've learned in Muay Thai, like people skills and stuff like that, um, discipline has shown through my work and I'm progressing further than what I'd say a normal person would. Wow. So 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 you're saying that you were happy to at least have that backup plan. I get what you mean about uh, being not fighting forever. It's just, I think it's also being very intelligent that you took that route because some uh, fighters are, that I've spoken to, you know, some of them go completely all in and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, like you said, you can't be a fighter forever. And then once your time's up, uh, like what what then are you going to do? So you, you mentioned earlier on that you did it, you, you studied for four years. What about did you study? Um, where did I study, sorry? Yes, sorry, where and what did you um, study? I studied at uh, QUT. QT in um, Brisbane, so gun to point. And I did um, a degree, bachelor's degree in finance, majoring in financial planning. Wow, that's very impressive. And that, during that whole time, especially someone I, I went to university myself here in Perth, but uh, hmm. how did you, when you were in university, like did you, were you still competing at the time or did you put finding aside? Yeah, you were. Yeah, I was still I was still complete. So I actually got into uni um, on an athlete scholarship. So um, I was a fully paid elite athlete at QUT. Um, so they have a really good support system there for the athletes. Um, so if you have to say delay for when I was going to Thailand and stuff like that, then they um, they approve your applications and stuff a bit faster than what they would um, if you're just applying for a general assignment ins- extension. Um, and then, yeah, I was working on top of that as well. So it was, um, it was crazy. I didn't have a lot of a social life, but it was a good, it was a good teacher. Well, that's good for you because, you know, a lot of fighters, I suppose, they're not all the best social beings in the world. You know, they're very introverted, you know, because their lives are very disciplined. They're very regimented. You know, they're not the kind that want to go out on the weekends unless it's after a fight. Usually that's when they tell me or a birthday or something like that. That's when they usually tell me they go out. Uh, so that makes complete sense and all. So you mentioned just earlier that you said you went to Thailand as well. Did, was this the Yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been over there a few times. Yeah, for the World Games. Oh, okay. Well, can you tell me about that? Um, yeah, so that's just the so the nationals in Muay Thai, you then can progress on to go to the IFMA, so the International Federation of Muay Thai Association. Um, world Games. So I went to the junior World Games. I think I was in the juniors four years and then a senior and then I had my senior year that I did. Um, yeah, so I did those. I competed. I think I got two silver, three silver and a bronze and then I won the world championship in my adult year. So, yeah. <laughs> That's very, very impressive as well because, you know, 
I was, I was just, if you went over to Thailand to try actually compete and all that, that's insane because one thing I, I've only been to Thailand, I think I've been there twice, must have been when I was back in high school and all that, but then I was staying in Phuket with my family. But one thing I love about Thailand is like their Muay Thai culture is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, they literally have children competing at it from like the age of six or to older. And then they have these really weird matches as well where they get people to pace fight against animals, almost yeah. like a like gladiator style, uh, what is the exhibition about? But uh, so where so whereabouts are you standing like right now in terms of fighting? Are you hoping to – I know you mentioned earlier that you said that you haven't have a meeting with your coaches, but let me ask you personally, what are you hoping to turn a little bit – more towards right now do you see yourself going into boxing or do you see yourself going into Muay Thai um yeah so basically before COVID hit last year we were straight Muay Thai kind of kickboxing we had uh, we we're going to go pursue kickboxing in America we had our flights booked and then obviously COVID hit so that um that went out the door um so we had our flights booked to Thailand and um America to try and do both but neither of those went through. So now um, the global outlook's kind of shifted to what I can do in Australia because I don't think international travel for athletes is going to be realistic for a little while. Um, and basically boxing, you can progress into the Commonwealth Games, you can progress into the Olympics. Um, so I think there's a bit more of an opportunity in Australia um, to either get out or stay in Australia and be a bit bigger. Um, so probably boxing. Um, at the moment. Well, oh, okay. So, would you definitely like to go back over to if you can get your chance to say if you did have the chance, would you go over to America to compete there? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. So, what was the uh, opportunity to go over to America? Were you, was it there to go to compete in the tournament or was it a fight that you got asked for? What was the situation? Um, so that one, we were trying to do the WMO international competition over there. Um, and then if that one fell through because of COVID, we were going to just set up, um, a sh we've got, my coach has contacts with other coaches in America and we we're just going to try and set up a normal show on a promotion over there. So, yeah. Wow. Now, that's, that's pretty full on. So do you reckon if the... Are they, are they still trying to set it up over there right now in America or what's, what's the situation or is it just off completely? Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's off with COVID. Like um, the cost now has just gone a bit too far for the promoters and us. So, um, but that's okay. That's okay. That's why we've pursued um, Australian kind of competitions at the moment. Oh, I see. Now, this is one other, other thing I always like to ask every other fighter because, you know, particularly even though the podcast which I run right now with, uh, with my closest friend is we do focus on a lot of fighting and we obviously were massive fans of like UFC and Bellator or one championship. So whenever we talk to fighters and all that, did you ever like experiment now that predominantly your style is definitely striking? Uh, and that's obviously an understatement. Uh, but did you ever experiment with any forms of grappling at all? Um, yeah, yeah. So um, our gym runs MMA as well, and I do that as well. I've never competed in MMA, but I just do it because it's just more training. So, <laughs> yeah. I understand. Would you, let's just say in a hypothetical world, like, or maybe in the hypothetical future, if you were ever offered to fight in MMA, would you 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think my skill set's there just yet. Um, the ground game definitely has a lot more to it, I guess, than I'm not used to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just depends if it's the right offer, I guess so. Awesome, I see. Okay, well, so we're a bit so-so on that opportunity right now. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, well, what I tell everyone, regardless of what style it is, I always say focus on your strengths. You know, I mean, you, you, there's no such thing as perfection. And I don't believe in there is a such thing as perfection. Uh, and you can always get better at whatever it is that you do. And then sometimes, you know, less is more. And we had a few people on the podcast and they tell me oh they came from like a karate background or they came from like a wrestling background and then they say they oh if i had to tra- they all had the same thing if i transition over to mma then it's just more things to focus on so why would i want to do that when i'm already doing super super well in my own personal sport uh now what was the other thing i was gonna say oh yes yeah, so everybody in the normally in the fight game has their own or not everybody but most they have their own name. Uh, we've had quite a few uh, guests on, so everyone's had some very, very interesting names. Uh, yours particularly is Psycho, uh, which I thought is pretty, definitely has, which is definitely impressive, I've got to say. It's a cool name. I just wanted to ask you, I always get to ask everyone this, but what was the story behind your name? Um, so first off, I didn't choose it, I'm <laughs> just saying. Uh, so in our gym, you don't get to choose your fight name. It's given to us by a coach. Um, so yeah, I didn't get to choose that one. I had to <laughs> had to run with it. And he said that it was because when I fight, um, apparently my eyes change. And he said it's like a psycho. So yeah. And then um, at the gym, I try to outwork everyone, guys, girls, whatever, just yeah, like a psycho. So that's, that's where it came from. Oh, so that's how you got it you, because your coach decides it for you. It's rare, it's rare yeah. to hear that. That's rare to hear that. I've been, and also it's because your eyes change when you trade it. I think that's, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. I, can't, I don't know. <laughs> I can't see them. Okay, well, we can roll, we'll, we'll roll with that. Now, yeah. you have had a very, very extensive career. Uh, multiple titles. Uh, multiple fights, multiple disciplines. Now, every career comes with like some form of hardship. Obviously, it comes with some form of like setback. Uh, and obviously, it's someone who's had such an extensive career such as yours. You know, I mean, we could argue maybe it probably is the hardest to put a finger on what would be the most. But if I was to ask you, what was the one of the biggest tests of your career? What would what what's the first thing that comes to mind? Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. The biggest, the biggest setback. I've been pretty lucky. Like I've got a really um, good support system. I've got a really good um, club that like knows me and knows how I work. Um, so like I haven't really had many major setbacks. I haven't really had many major injuries. I've been really fortunate. Um, yeah, I. I don't think there has been. I've probably COVID, to be honest. Like it stopped me from going going all over the country. So um or the countryside. Um, so yeah, that would probably have to be the worst setback, I'd say, because um, other than that, it's been a pretty fun ride. Wow, so n- no injuries at well, no serious injuries at all. No, like you get the you get the old fractured eye socket and stuff like that and leg and ankle and all those sorts of things, but they heal, like they're just bones and you just 
work through it and yeah there's always other ways to train like when you fracture your ankle you start doing boxing when you do something to your eye you just don't get punched like it's yeah wait so have you fractured your orbital bone before then yeah 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 so uh, uh in a i did a cage muay thai fight and um it got elbowed and yeah <laughs> fractured that one. wow so you so tell me about the cage muay thai fight then out of this promotion um i've had two so the first one was on caged adrenaline and i think that was only like my second or third fight <laughs> um so that was that was pretty early on and that was that was just pad like i had chin pads on um no headgear or anything but that was that was pretty fun and then the second time in the cage i fought chelsea hackett for the second time and um for a belt so yeah and she fractured my socket <laughs> with an elbow Wow, so you fought Chelsea Hackett, and what year was this? Um, I fought Chelsea three times, um, so I can't I can't remember what years, but yeah, yeah. So we've had a trilogy. <laughs> what well, all, all in Muay Thai? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's definitely impressive. That's for sure. Yeah. And so, obviously, that's a big name as well in your career, and also now you've become increasingly okay. bigger name. But who would you say has it, maybe we've answered that question already, but who would you say was probably the biggest name that you fought? Um, probably Dee Dee Hobbs, the last girl that I did in boxing. Um, in Muay Thai, Sam, Sam Brown, she was she was tough, um, very tough, um, big name. She's She's been over to Infusion and fought on the um, promotions over there and best chick too, like we're such good friends now. Um but yeah, those those guys would have to be probably it. Oh, interesting. So uh, that's a, obviously extensive uh, list of names, big names as well. Now, one thing is that obviously, as you get obviously you're starting to grow a little bit more now, you're starting to get a little bit more attractions. Uh, obviously, that was also the uh, biggest damage you fought. But like, uh, what was like? The best way we're trying to lead into right now is that you've had these so many fights in so many different organizations and so many different promotions, but which one was like that stood out the most to you? Like which title or which accomplishment would you say has been the most memorable for you? I'd have to say um, the IFNA games because, and I, it really hurts that the kids that we're bringing up now can't go and do that because honestly, like you're over there, all you're doing is like waking up in the morning training, eating, having a nap, training, eating, going to fights, and you're doing that for, like, 10 days, and it's the best. It's the best environment. Everyone's – all the athletes are in the same hotel. You're all training and preparing and, like, trying to pick who your opponent is, and, yeah, it's just – it's the best experience. Awesome. Now, there was something else personally I also wanted to ask you. Now, uh, at the last Olympics – uh, before that, they recently announced that Muay Thai would be incorporated into the Olympics. Now, personally, for someone such as yourself, uh, if the opportunity presents itself, would you go uh, represent Australia in the Olympics for Muay Thai? Definitely, yeah. That, that would be a dream. Um, I hope that it gets processed soon and that it gets in, in properly. Um, but, yeah, definitely. That would be amazing. Yeah, I agree. I mean... Out of everything that you choose, like, why not also become an Olympian? That would be pretty dope. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty happy to see all these like different uh, combat sports um, now getting into the Olympics as well. But 
uh, trust me, personally, also for myself, I am a massive karate fan, but it, uh, it turned away a little bit from it after what happened in the last Olympics, uh, where the guy won because he lo- uh, got knocked out and he got hit too hard. Did you hear about this story? No. No. Okay. So we'll give you a little bit of insight. So it was the finals. I can't remember what weight category it was, but in karate, uh, uh, one of the apparently you're not allowed to hit him too hard, you know, because it's points fighting. So right. what happened was he was going for a jab and then he was sort of slipping into it. And then a guy threw a lead kick, like, like a lead uh, front kick. And then he sort of leaned into his kick. And because of that, he got knocked out. Obviously, oh, it, it was a clean, it was a very clean shot. But because he got knocked out, apparently the ref said that he hit him too hard. And then he had to give the gold medal to the guy who got knocked out. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So imagine getting a gold medal at the Olympics for losing the final. <laughs> I feel like winning, it'd be like those fights when you see um, it's a wrong decision and they wrap the belt around the other guy's waist. I've oh, seen that happen. You've seen that happen before? Yeah, yeah. They knew, they knew that they lost and it was just a bad decision from the refs and they're like, no, I'm not taking this and they wrap it on the other guy, they give it to the other guy and wrap it around his waist. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's... Oh man, that's ex- that's an extremely dangerous thing to do. Anyway, <laughs> moving, moving on from that. Uh, one thing I just want to wanted to ask you is now, uh, personally for myself, I work at the UFC gym in uh, Perth here in Balcata. Uh, I am also a strength coach, and one thing I love to talk about fighters is what you guys do for. So, what do you personally do for strength and conditioning? MMA training, I'd say. Um, we do a lot of like I guess body weight um, exercises and also when you're lifting another human um, that does <laughs> require a bit of strength um, so that would have to be my major sort of strength component um, apart from that I do um, like little boot camps and things here and there but nothing too um, hectic I just rely on doing practicing what I'm doing kind of thing yeah Interesting. And like, so tell me a little bit about your recovery. Do you do any, do you implement any kind of recovery systems or have anything in particular that you'd like to do that helps you? Yeah. 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 So um, my, one of my closest training partners and friends, she um, has just opened up a recovery center called the recovery jungle. And originally we were going and doing um, cryotherapy and stuff like that. And now she's opened up her own, which is very close to my gym. So um, yeah, I do that. I do cryotherapy, um, sauna sessions, the compression boots. So yeah, I get the whole kit and caboodle. Awesome. And so uh, one thing I also wanted to ask you as well is one thing that every fighter has to go through usually is like, not every, but most of them, some form of weight cutting or what weight gaining uh, in particular for their division. What's the situation for you? Have you ever had to go for any kind of like weight cutting for your competitions? Yeah, yeah. So um, I've had to, I have to weight cut for every um, competition. Um, I'm fortunate enough that I've been working with my nutritionist since I was about, since I started competing. So I was about 14, 15. Um, and so he just, he knows what to do and does it mainly through diet and um, long steady state cardio. So if the weight's not coming down, we just up the running, um, yeah, and change the diet around. Awesome. Who, who's so, your, sorry, you were saying? Yep. 
Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, so Peter Sargent's my nutritionist um, and I see him for weekly check-ins. Um, yeah, he came from a bodybuilding background, but obviously that has the same sort of macro knowledge kind of thing. So yeah, I'm very fortunate enough to work with him and it's just, it's easy now. Awesome. And sorry, who's your nutritionist? Um, Peter Sargent. He's, he doesn't, he's not commercial. He just does it now for me pretty much. Like he does other things, but yeah, he mainly does nutrition just for me now. Oh, awesome. Shout out to Peter. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully he's listening to this when the audio comes yeah. out. Uh, now, just heading up to the end of the line, uh, well, that's end of, end of the list of, uh, sorry, end of the list of questions. I also wanted to ask you, uh, personally, I don't believe that when it comes to finding anybody's really self, uh, self-made, I honestly believe strongly that the people who you surround yourself with, you know, they're the representation of who you are, like the saying goes, your network is your network. Uh, so at the end of every podcast that I ever do with every fighter, I always like to take the last few minutes for them to at least, uh, or for me to ask them if there's anyone who you'd like to extend your gratitude to or anyone you want to thank or anyone you want to give a shout out to. Um, oh my God, as you, I'm sure you would appreciate the list to make a fighter of people that support you is insane. Um, like my gym is my family. I've got my coach, Michael, he's been there through it all. He's um, taken a lot of shit and <laughs> turned it into a lot, a lot better than what it could have been. Um, and him for dedicating his time to away from his family. So his family for letting him dedicate his time to the gym also is amazing. Um, I have to say my training partners for pushing me at training. Um, obviously the mom, partner, um, my boss, he's also amazing. And then all my amazing sponsors. So um, Beast Mode that look after all my hand wraps. Um, Peter Sargent, obviously just for doing my nutrition for so long. Um, the Recovery Jungle for looking after my recovery now. It's, um, it's been amazing to implement cryotherapy now. Um, definitely noticing the difference. Um, and fighters worldwide clothing have always made sure that I look good when I'm getting into the ring and they look after me in all the other clothing avenues that I require for all my many boxing and MMA and all those sorts of things. Um, and I would have to say that's it. Probably, oh, SNC Automotives that look after um, my car and then they're always at every show um, cheering me on, which is awesome. That's good to hear. Awesome. That definitely is an extensive. It sounds like you've got a really great support system behind you. Anyway, yeah, uh, that is all the time for we have for right now, Brooke. But just firstly, I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, you take care of yourself over at East, and then hopefully when the next fight gets booked in, uh, if you could like send it through, and then what we'll, we'll do is we'll put it up on the page as well for you to help you out with uh, all those things like promotion or that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much, Brooke.